Well, friends, we continue this week with our Advent sermon series called The Glory of Christmas, where we take a closer look at the characters of the Christmas narrative to see what wisdom, perhaps, they have for us this Advent season. Uh, Last week, Pastor Gary started us off by talking about Mary, and this week we take a closer look at Joseph. Now, many of us are at least somewhat aware of Joseph's story, or at least the contours of it, but I wonder if we have ever really stopped to recognize and appreciate the weight of the decision that Joseph had to make. I wonder if we've ever really paused to empathize with Joseph, who surely felt caught not knowing what the right decision was. For all the times that we feel caught in webs of confusion and chaos, I think Joseph's story shows us how God breaks into our lives to offer the peace we need to go where God calls us to go. Now, the sermon today will look a little bit different because it will take the form of a first-person narrative told from the perspective of Joseph himself. Um, I think that first-person stories are powerful because they allow us to see the world in new ways through the eyes of someone else. And so I hope that as you hear me read Joseph's story today, that you would hear this old text come to life for you in new and creative ways. I pray that it would spark conversation for you to explore how God might be offering you peace amidst the chaos and confusion of these days. And above all, I hope it would illumine for you the character of our God who does not call the equipped, but equips the called. This narrative uh, sermon was first written by uh, a dear friend and colleague of mine, uh, Reverend Maddie Johnson, who serves at Grace UMC in Winfield, Kansas, uh, and she's allowed me to use it today and to adapt it a little bit for our purposes, and so I'm grateful for that permission uh, to share this powerful story with you all. And so as we begin to hear the story of Joseph, let us first tune in to watch a short video uh, and see what that has for us. This is the story of a ragtag bunch of church members who set out to perform a Christmas play, and the director who tried his hardest to just keep it all together. The Glory of Christmas. My name's Joseph, and in the Christmas nativity play, The Glory of Christmas, I play Joseph. That's right. I was born to play this role. Joseph has no clue what to do when it comes to babies. So, in order for him to play the role of Joseph, we got him an infant simulator doll from the local home act teacher. So, you know, he could practice a bit. Insane shrieks for baby. It's a burp. Needs to burp? So, put your fingers under and try to find the... Where's the spine on this thing? I don't know. Check the front. Joseph is terrified. I don't blame it. Babies don't even have kneecaps. Ha! Burping like a boss? Uh, Yeah, way to go, fake dad. I heard things may not be going so well with the infant simulator doll. Hey, Joseph, your mom's here to pick you up. Yeah, coming. 
As you can see, my mom's house is full of antiques. So I did what any good home economics teacher would do. I sent Joseph home with a, a baby egg. I think about Joseph, like Bible Joseph, a lot. What it would have been like for him to have an angel come and tell him that his wife is pregnant with God's child. He would have had to really dig deep and find his, his compassion and his understanding because he really, really loved her. My dear Mary, it is going to be a long journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem for the census, especially with your belly being so humongous. With, 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 with child, Joseph, the line is being with child. <sighs> right. Sorry, ma'am. The age difference, what's bothering you? I want you to know, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> okay, please, people, let's just take it from the top. I understand that Joseph is radically underqualified for all he's about to encounter. But isn't that the type of people God uses? The most unlikely folks to do the biggest things? Yeah. <laughs> Seems like those are the ones he always picks. Because he's a God that'll never give up on us. Ha! Ha! Yes! Ha! Ha! I have swaddled! Ha! As we continue to hear this story of Joseph in his own words, let us first hear these words from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. Well, I was hardly 16 years old when my father first came to me and said that I was going to marry a young woman named Mary from the town of Nazareth. Now, Nazareth was not really one of the nicest places to be from, uh, being in the northern region of Galilee, but like most arranged marriages, I found that the match was at least good enough. Our families needed to create a contract of engagement, which included all of the promises that I needed to make for the both of us. And the contract could be summed up in three simple words. House, life, and love. I needed to commit to provide a home for us, not just a roof over our heads, but a place to raise our family. I needed to commit my life to her through the money I made as a carpenter, even though it wasn't that much. And lastly, I needed to commit myself to loving Mary, to nurturing our relationship to growing our family, and to remaining faithful to her. 
Once I signed on the dotted line of our engagement contract, we were legally husband and wife, but it wasn't until our wedding day about a year and a half later when all would be made official. That would be the official start of our union together where we could begin making a family, making a home, making our life together. And so I waited. I waited for this new chapter of my life to start. I kept busy by building and crafting. Being a carpenter is actually really exhausting work, and like I said, it doesn't pay a lot of money, but I love turning the raw materials of the earth into something useful. This tedious labor almost became a spiritual practice for me in this season of waiting as I prepared my heart to build this new home for Mary and myself. But then one day, that really painful and awkward, heartbreaking day, I heard a knock at my door and found Mary and Elizabeth, who was one of her relatives. And truthfully, I really didn't know Mary that well at this point, but I could tell that something was wrong because her face showed both joy and fear simultaneously. And she looked me in the eyes and she told me that news that would change my life forever. She told me that she was pregnant. And my mind kind of went blank after that. I really, I really didn't know what to say. I heard bits of what she was trying to tell me, but I really couldn't comprehend any of it because all I could feel were the raw emotions of betrayal and anger and heartbreak. For my wife was pregnant with a child that wasn't mine. We had, we had just barely started our life together. The ink on our contract had not even dried yet, and she was already being unfaithful to me. All I could ask myself was, why in the world? How could she? Mary and Elizabeth, they eventually left, but being in shock, I don't really know how long they were there or even where they went when they left. But when they did, I found myself alone, alone with my emotions and my thoughts and this massive decision of what do I do now? Growing up in a Jewish household, I, my family had taught me all about my faith in God and about the Torah, the letter of God's law. They had taught me how to study our sacred text and what it meant to be a righteous man. And regarding this particular situation, they had taught me in really no uncertain terms that adultery was wrong. I remember learning from the time of a young child about the code of Deuteronomy, about how if a woman committed adultery, that the city elders were to bring her to the door of her father's house and stone her to death. They had taught me that even if the town chose to not stone her, that I had the obligation to go to the chief priests and to file for a divorce. I learned that I had the opportunity to go into the public square and announce in front of the whole community the reason why I was seeking that divorce. They had taught me that all of this was okay because women who committed adultery were sinners, harlots, disgraces, to their family. But my family had also taught me about my ancestors, about our lineage as members of the house of David. 
They taught me about my ancestor Rahab, who, even though she was a foreigner, believed in God and brought safety to her family and diversity to the house of Israel. They taught me about my ancestor Bathsheba and about her relationship with Uriah the Hittite before King David sent to kill him and take her as his own. They taught me about my ancestor Ruth, who as a Moabite woman was able to provide for herself and her mother-in-law Naomi by taking the initiative to find a husband. Yeah, my family, they taught me from the time that I was a young child that God often uses the most unlikely the most scandalous, the most unexpected people, often women, to be the most miraculous signs of faith. And so as I was discerning what to do next, I felt horribly caught, caught in between my parents' teachings, between the law and the mystery of God. I felt caught between the Torah and these stories of my faithful ancestors And in the midst of it all, all I wanted was a sense of peace, a sense of clarity that there was a right decision to be made and that I was going to do it. It was in this moment of discernment where, where I realized that I could not shake the stories of my women ancestors. I knew that I could not publicly humiliate Mary, so instead I chose to quietly dismiss her We would do it in secret, and I would give the money back to her family that I owed them, and we would go our separate ways, and nobody had to feel any shame. I realized in this moment that even if Mary could not be faithful to our marriage and to our new family, that I would be faithful to my God that spoke through these strong, complicated, and faithful women of my family. Here are these words from Matthew chapter 1, verses 19 through 23. But just when Joseph had resolved to dismiss her quietly, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel. I went to bed that night hoping to just dream all of this mess away. I longed for a return to a sense of normalcy, and I hoped that I could wake up from this nightmare, and Mary and I could just get back on track, back to the way things were before this happened. But God had other plans, it seems. I went to bed that night, and I had one of those dreams that feel so real, one of those dreams where all of your senses are fully engaged. I had one of those dreams where it feels like you are awake and alive. Perhaps you've had one of these dreams too. 
And in this dream, an angel, a messenger of the Lord, he said, came to me, and I felt overwhelming fear. The angel wasn't really scary. He actually kind of looked like a human, but, but I had this sense that what he was going to say was going to change everything. The messenger called me by my name, which caught me off guard at first, and he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, my first thought was, don't be afraid. <laughs> Are you serious? There's no way that I cannot be afraid. Do not tell me to not be afraid. You have no idea what I have gone through. My second thought was, no, this doesn't make sense. I had finally found some sense of peace. I knew what I was going to do. And I felt good about dismissing Mary quietly and being done with it all. But lastly, I felt this overwhelming sense of relief. For if what the angel was telling me was true, then Mary had not been unfaithful after all. The angel continued to tell me that Mary would bear a child and name him Jesus and that he would eventually save his people from their sins. And at this moment, I knew where my fear was coming from. It became clear to me that this wasn't simply about an alleged affair. This wasn't just about dealing with our society of honor and shame. This, this was big. This thing that the angel was bringing to me was, was massive. It, it felt life-changing. It felt, it felt like God. And then the messenger referenced the prophet Isaiah who delivered this same truth to an old king centuries ago, saying, Look, the virgins shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel. Now, when my parents taught me this story as a kid, I always thought that the moral was that God would be with us, even in scary and uncertain times, just like God was with the Israelites when they faced scary military powers. I didn't realize that centuries later, this text would also point to Mary and the son that she was now carrying. I, I didn't realize that this old story would eventually become my story, our story. You know, that was the craziest part of this whole thing, that God was asking me, of all people, to be a part of it. God was asking me to still take Mary as my wife. God was asking me to care for her in her pregnancy. God was asking me to name this child and to raise him as my own. God was asking me to nurture the child that would one day save the world. God was asking me, a 16-year-old carpenter from Bethlehem, to be this child's father. Hear these words from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son. 
and he named him Jesus. When I woke up the next day, I immediately remembered the dream. I couldn't get it off my mind. Uh, it had just felt so real, as, as real and as near as this pulpit is to me now. And the message of the angel, the, the message, how could I forget that? But I needed to think. I, I needed time to process. For was I really about to say yes? Was I really about to say yes to God and not be afraid? Was I really about to say yes and take this crazy leap of faith and take Mary as my wife and raise a son that wasn't mine? Was I really about to say yes to trusting that it would all be okay and that God would be with me? I had no idea what this yes would mean. I didn't know if the dream was an actual encounter with God or just some crazy thing of my own mind's making. If I said yes, I didn't know if my family would support me or if they would kick me out of their household. I didn't know if our our towns of Nazareth and Bethlehem would come behind us or if they would kick us to the margins. But as I started to wake up more and more, I felt this sense of peace slowly wash over me. And while I didn't necessarily know what was right, I knew what was of God. And when it came to choosing between the law and God, I realized that I was going to choose God. When it came between choosing what might have been right and what was love, I was going to choose love. When it came to choosing between what was rational and what was mystery, I was going to embrace the mystery. For if God could bring new life through so many imperfect and complicated women and men in my ancestry, I was confident that God could bring new life through Mary and I. Just a few weeks later, I went to Mary and knocked on her door. Uh, She opened it and was a little surprised to see me. But when she opened the door, I looked her square in the eye, and I said, Mary, I'm in. I'm in. Let's do this. I told her that I would be glad to take her as my wife, that I would be glad to create a family and build a home with her. I told her that I had no idea what I was doing, but that I had faith in the God who was calling us on this new journey together. I told her that I would love this child as my own because he was my own. And that more than anything, I told her no matter what, that I had peace going forward, knowing that God would be with us just like God always has been. For God always is and God always will be. Amen.